This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a man who uh, who is not only a witness to history, but a participant in history. He is President Obama's uh, former chief speechwriter, and he's, uh, he's an author, best-selling author, and, uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, it's uh, it's it's got to be something. Looking back, you can kind of drop the mic right after uh, right after uh, 2016 and and walk away. But uh, you see him on uh, NBC Nightly News, and you see him and hear him uh, in so many different spots. But get his book. His book is uh, is out. It's upon us. Get two of them. In fact, it's called Grace. Uh, it's the inside look. Of, uh, of of really in a, a, an incredible time period in history, uh, a very you know very emotional stretch of the Obama presidency, and uh, the only man who could tell this story is uh, is is with us today, Cody Keenan. How are you? Hey, good morning, man. How are you? Uh, doing well. Uh, as far as uh, as far as the book goes, I mean, as we all know, we we have expectations going in to any project starting out. Uh, how much different? Uh, what your expectations and uh, the final product? You know what? It ended up about the same. Thank goodness, because I just I had it in my head for a couple of years. You know, I, I I kept working for President Obama for four years after leaving the White House, and it didn't feel right to write a book that was largely about him while I was still on his payroll. So <laughs> I didn't actually start writing until last year. Yeah, but uh, it kind of it, it held up from the initial story. Yeah, well, listen, it's uh, it, it's got to be exciting, and uh, I imagine there's a lot of things left on the uh, on the cutting room floor. Uh, probably a lot more, you know, a lot more books, uh, many more books inside you. But uh, give us a little overview uh, of your thought process uh, in in going into this in the first place. Yeah, well, I, I didn't want to write a memoir when I left the White House. I, you know, I didn't want to write something about me. So I, I picked these 10 days in June of 2015, and the book takes place over just 10 days. Because so many enormous events happened in those 10 days that it could have filled years. You had the, the white supremacist massacre in Charleston, South Carolina. Republicans started taking down the Confederate flag over public spaces in the South. The Supreme Court ruled on the Affordable Care Act and marriage equality, you know, whether or not millions of Americans could keep their health insurance or millions of Americans could get married to who they love. And then the president went down on the 10th day to Charleston and sang Amazing Grace. And <laughs> we had to write speeches for all these things together. And But they all also spoke to something bigger about who we are as Americans, you know, whether or not we, we believe in equality for each other. Cody, did you see anything or learn anything different uh, about a man that you knew quite a bit about beforehand and uh, knew him before while he was Senator, uh, Senator Obama, before he was President Obama. Did you learn anything about him during those 10 days that, that you honestly didn't know beforehand? No, you know, and that's just from working so closely together. He's always been, he's always had a pretty strong center to him. You know, one of the interesting, more dramatic 
parts of that week was he actually did not want to give a eulogy to Charleston um, at all. And I, I was I was kind of selfishly grateful for that because I was the one who got to help him figure out what to say. And, and we'd both done so many eulogies after mass shootings that we were just kind of out of words. Um, what changed things was those families down in Charleston. I mean, these are people who just lost their parents, their children in, in a murder. They went on, they were in live television at B. Raymond and they forgave the killer. And that sort of changed the way everybody was walking that week. And that changed President Obama too. And he said, you know what, maybe I will go down there and speak after all. What's different about the president than uh, than other people that you collaborated with, obviously the positions there and the uh, you know and and the power and the uh, his place in history uh, is like no others, right? I mean, you can, he doesn't really have a comp in um, in in U.S. or or world history or an exact comp. Um, but what's different about working with him than with anybody else you've ever collaborated with? He's the best writer I've ever collaborated with by far, which, which makes our jobs both easier and harder. It makes our jobs harder in that uh, you want to impress him, you know? He, he views speechwriting as collaboration where he just wants something he can work with and write and, and, and take to a different place, but we still want to impress him, and that, that makes our jobs very difficult. But what makes it easier is that he can take our speeches to a higher place. He will dive in, he will edit, he will rewrite if necessary. Um, on that Charleston eulogy, he basically tore back at which he had never done to me before and rewrote the whole thing in three hours. And uh, that can be pretty tough when your boss tears up your stuff. But he was just super cool about it and then actually took the time to walk me through it, walk me through what he did. And, and that's a pretty rare gift uh, in a boss. Let me ask you the same question, but about yourself and uh, whether you've touched on it, I'm, sh- I'm sure you touched on it in Grace, uh, your new book, and a reminder to everyone, uh, please get this book. Cody Keenan is uh, the author, and he's uh, a former chief uh, speechwriter for President Obama, Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Cody Keenan. Uh, what, did you, what did you learn about yourself, if, uh, if anything, during those 10 days, especially, uh, in very heated days, very emotional days? Yeah, well, they, I, I don't know that I, what I learned about myself over just 10 days, and, and I actually spent three of them pulling all-nighters just trying to finish these speeches, but I got thinking more about, you know, what this country is really all about, whether or not we're going to treat each other as equal. You know, we to, to be a white man writing for the first black president is a challenge by itself. You know, you, you, you have to speak to all different audiences, and you've got different lived experiences, and I was fortunate that week in that I never had to think about a lot of the issues that we were faced with. You know, I didn't have to worry about um, enduring violence because of the color of my skin. I didn't have to worry someone would tell me I couldn't have health insurance and I couldn't get married to the woman I love. That all opened your eyes to a lot of things. And, and we had colleagues, you know, walking around the White House who were gay. And how would I look them in the eye if the Supreme Court said, no, you don't get to get married like the rest of us? So it, it, it's not so much that I learned anything new, but it just changes the way you think about uh, other people. Is there anything you battled about putting in the book that ended up in uh, in the book uh, that you, uh, you know, regardless of how you feel about it now, but was there something in particular you can point to that uh, that was a real uh, challenge whether to put in or not? Yeah, it was a real challenge, to, to, and, and I, I struggled with it in the book, but, but I wanted to be open and honest about what it was like to, to write about race for the first black president when you're a white guy, um, and it is a challenge, and I really kind of dove into it, and there were a couple other 
there are a couple of personal stories between us in the Oval Office that I actually sat there and thought, should I put this in or should I keep it private? And, you know, one of them in real life, he actually said, he, he went on a little rant about something and said, let's, let's not put that in the speech. But, but I did run the book by um, President Obama first just to make sure he was, he was okay with it. And he actually had a couple edits to it, of course, like he always <laughs> does. But uh, yeah. he was okay with it. Well, listen, congratulations on your whole career, not just the book. We'll be talking about it as we let you go. But before you go, can you give us a website or a social media site where we could follow along with you and your journey with this book? Yeah, thanks. It's uh, CodyKeenan.com and Cody Keenan on all the social media sites. And I'm about uh, halfway through tour. I've, I've been flying every single day for the past eight days, but it, it is a real blessing. Cody, congrats uh, once again, and thank you very much for being here. Thank you, man. Cody Keenan, everyone. Chief speechwriter for President Obama and worked, uh, as he's mentioned, four years after the presidency, worked for him and um, collaborated on on all types of speeches and writing. And, uh, you know, interesting, he made some edits. Uh, You know, I laughed because I imagine he would have said, hey, take that out or take this out. Uh, Cody Keenan was born and raised in Chicago, and you know we know uh, uh, the president uh, is is from Illinois and served as uh, as the U.S. Senate uh, in in the U.S. Senate out of uh, out of Illinois, and uh, you know it's uh, it's interesting. This is somebody who goes back a long way and has uh, has that kind of relationship, and you know very obviously there's a tremendous amount of respect. From uh, from Cody Keenan to uh, to his former boss, and you know I assume his uh, his friend, and uh, I assume they're uh, they're close. Um, you know when you're the president, it's hard to it's it's hard to figure out who. And I've met seven of them, including Obama, uh, just by phone, President Obama. But um, I was supposed to meet him in the White House in uh, it was 2013 at the at the um, uh, White House Christmas party in December, and and President Mandela died. Nelson Mandela passed away, and he uh, he flew out. And this was right before the uh, before the uh, um, Christmas party. Uh, he flew out with uh, with Michelle Obama, the first lady, and uh, they g- he gave the eulogy, or President Obama gave the eulogy at uh, Nelson Mandela's. Uh, funeral, and you know, so then uh, you know, get to see him in uh, in person there. But it would have been a, you know, certainly would have been interesting. Uh, pri- uh, Vice President Biden hosted the uh, the Christmas party there, and you know, and um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were disappointed uh, not to see him. But you, you talk about uh, Nelson Mandela, and if there's any excuse to ever ever leave a. Um, uh, you know, a bunch of people behind. It's to give the eulogy of, of one of the great men, you know, great leaders, Nelson Mandela. Uh, amazing. But anyway, Cody Keaton has been our very special guest and uh, former chief speechwriter to President Obama. And his book is called Grace. And it's the inside story, the most exhilarating. And I'm reading here an emotional stretch of the Obama presidency told by the only person who could long-term collaborate and speechwriter, Cody Keenan. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking Attack. 
This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a, a very talented guy. And, uh, you know, people said to me the other day, somebody said to me the other day, Jerry Seinfeld had a show about nothing. Well, uh, Jack has a show about kindness. How about that? First time I've ever heard that, and it's terrific, terrific uh, show for, for kids, for everybody. Hello, Jack, the kindness show. And Jack Mabrayar is here. Everyone knows him from uh, Conan and, and 30 Rock and so many different things. Uh, absolutely terrific. He's one of the best voice actors in the in the business. Uh, he just uh, his resume is uh, is through the roof. Uh, hello, Jack. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thank you for having me. Well, listen. It, it must be nice to do a show uh, about kindness, and especially for a guy like you. You look to me, uh, and and everyone I know that knows you always says that's how he is. He's a great guy. He's a wonderful guy, and uh, it must be it must feel good to do this show. Uh, it does not feel bad. I sleep very well at night. Um, it's been <laughs> super fun. It is a preschool show, but it is a sincere and earnest preschool show. And I really modeled it after programs that I grew up with, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, I just felt a need to explore messages of kindness and compassion and civility, uh, you know, in a 2022 way. Um, and so, yeah, I was able to do a preschool show for Apple TV+. Plus. It's It's been a labor of love, but I'm really happy. You know what? I mean, it's just it, kudos to you. And you mentioned Mr. Rogers. Uh, I grew up on Mr. Rogers, and I grew up on the Electric Company sure. and, uh, and uh, you know, different shows like that. But Mr. Rogers, uh, you talk about the impact that he made and the credibility that he still has now when you're seeing the movies and Tom Hanks plays him. Uh, that, that's, it's got to feel good to kind of be compared to him. Oh, I am not mad at that comparison at all. And, I mean, of course, I am no Fred Rogers. He was such a unique individual. But I, I was like, okay, well, what can Jack McBrayer bring to this world? What is a Jack McBrayer version of a show like this? And especially in 2022 where we're having conversations that simply didn't exist back in the 70s, back in the 80s. Um, and so uh, I'm definitely trying to emulate that and just pick up the baton where he left off. Uh, and just see what we can do. It, at the very least, it makes my heart feel good to to try to do something like that. Right, well, listen, you should, and you're doing it very, very well. Uh, how how long in the making has this been? Well, I mean, it was on my brain for years. Uh, I just couldn't help but notice that grown-ups were, the world was hurting me. The world was beating me up a little bit. And, I, you know, just seeing how grown-ups interacted with each other, and it was often negative and hurtful and i was like geez this is not right these are lessons that we learn in kindergarten how to be considerate and be compassionate towards each other um why are people like this and then the light bulb went off for me i was like oh jack you need to do a show that reminds kids of these lessons and then hopefully it'll just become second nature and they'll grow up into adults who maintain those messages 
you know, my That's wife. Dream. Yeah, my my wife and I have four uh, kids. Un- unfortunately, they're uh, you know nineteen is the youngest, but they would have loved your <laughs> show. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully yeah. we'll have grandchildren soon, and they could uh, they they'll love it as well. But I have a friend who has two very young kids, and they adore this show. This is their Mr. Rogers. So. If that's oh, uh, who that you were lovely. emulating, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Oh, perfect, perfect. I, and thank you for sharing that. Like I, we did, we worked so hard on it, and it came from such a personal place. So anytime I hear that people are enjoying it, that just it validates all the work that we put into it. Are the people on the on the staff and the people that are on the crew? Uh, are they? They must be feeling it too, and realizing what what an impact you could have on a young mind and a, a young psyche. I mean, let's, uh, let's face it. It's a big responsibility, but you guys are, you, you guys are taking it on. Is the staff uh, all invested in that concept as well? Absolutely. I mean, especially from, uh, you know, the higher decision-making roles, they helped put together the team of designers, even the people who design the set, who create the props. Everybody was on board. Everybody, it felt so good. I felt so supported that everybody who came on board understood what I was trying to create and said yes and were there to back me up and to help me to create the vision. Um, I really felt that I, I was not alone in all of this, and that felt really good to me. Uh, Jack, uh, how, uh, how much different is the show now, here you are in your, your second season, uh, as, uh, as opposed to how, how it was in your mind before you, you got in front of a camera with it, before you, you know, laid it all out, how much different was the uh, anticipation of the show and the actual result? Uh, great question. I mean, a lot of things do change from the initial pitch of the idea to what you see on screen. And even when we start filming from the beginning to where it ends up, there, of course, is going to be a natural evolution. Um, one thing, there's a lot of, <laughs> for better or for worse, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So you have input coming from a lot of different places. But another thing is we just all got more comfortable with each other, with how the day would go, with what the message we were trying to make, with the pacing of each episode. And I'm talking about from the actors, the crew, the writers, to even our young child actors that we have on the show. You develop a, a, a rhythm and a level of comfortability with each other that does shape how the show looks further on into the season. Uh, Jack, I mentioned uh, I mentioned the voice acting, and if you look at uh, the career you've put together, uh, there are a lot of shows and there are a lot of choices that uh, that you've made uh, that are speaking to kids, you know, or young people. A lot of animated shows, so it's not like you're brand new at talking to this audience. You've been talking to this audience for years. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, what is interesting is because a lot of that is voice acting, some of our younger viewers don't know what I look like, and there's also probably just a disconnect at a young age of like, oh, my favorite cartoon character, there's a human being behind that. Um, So, at the very least, having all that voice work made it easier for me. Jack McBrayer. Uh, and we may have lost him, uh, but just a reminder, the name of his show is Hello Jack, The Kindness Show. And uh, he means it. it. It's terrific. If you have uh, kids, uh, you know, uh, get them in front of uh, Hello Jack, get them in front of Apple TV. It's terrific. 
and my uh, my friends that have kids at, at this age just adore him, and uh, and they compare him to to Mr. Rogers. This is the modern day Mr. Rogers, and again, you knew him as Kenneth on Thirty Rock, and and, uh, and you know you, uh, you know, hopefully a lot of people that grew up uh, watching Thirty Rock and watching uh, Kenneth as a character and Jack as an actor there uh, will turn around and say, you know what. Jack's back in. Oh, hey. Goodbye. Yeah, Jack, yeah, good. We kept talking as we left you. Uh, we'll Listen, we're going to let you go anyway, but listen, congratulations, Jack. Do you have a website or a social media site where we can follow along um, with Hello, Jack, the Kindness Show? Well, I don't personally, but I do believe that Apple TV Plus, uh, you can find information there. Well, listen, congratulations. Uh, you, you're doing a great thing, and I uh, love what you're doing. Thank you very much for being here, Jack. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hello, Jack. The Kindness Show. Everyone, get get your kids in front of the show, and you can watch it with them. And, and like I, I just was saying, uh, people who grew up on 30 Rock and loved uh, Jack in the role of Kenneth, uh, you know, look, if you have kids this age, or if you have nephews or uh, grandchildren, a lot of us are at that point uh, where we're, we're closer to grandchildren than kids this age, and Jack McBrayer, is I, I honestly what what a great choice for him to go. I mean, think of what he's like. This is what he's like. You've seen him on Conan's show, and you you've seen him on on Thirty Rock. This is this this is what he is uh, is like. This is his personality. Uh, you know, he seems like a great guy. I know a lot of people. I got mutual friends of of uh, of Jack, and um, yeah, I don't want to stop bringing up people because who knows how well anybody knows him. Um, you know, some people say I'm I'm good friends with that guy, and then you know you just never know, and you, you mention it to you know the person, and they might be like, uh, yeah, I kind of know him, something like that. So I didn't want to embarrass anybody, but I do have mutual friends with uh, Jack McBrayer, and and they say that's what he's like, exactly what you see and what we just heard here, and what a great choice for him to go in front of uh, an audience like this. And kudos to him, honestly. He's just, I'm, I'm thrilled that we got a chance to talk to him. We lost him for a little while there, but um, he was great. And uh, the role uh, as as Kenneth in 30 Rock, and uh, I mean, opposite of uh, what Alec Baldwin did and Tina Fey and Tracy Morgan, what they were doing compared to what uh, what his character was presenting is just just terrific. But the, the innocence, the... Uh, uh, you know the niceness, the uh, naivete. I I don't know. You know that I, I don't know. This is the first time I'm ever talking to him, so I don't know how naive or whatever he is. But he just seems like a genuinely nice guy. And um, I uh, listen. Just it, it's a great choice for an actor like him to do it. And if you look at his resume, he's got so many. He's got so many uh, voiceover jobs that uh, relate to. A, uh, an audience that he's speaking to now. He's uh, doing what Mr. Rogers did, Fred Rogers did, years and years ago. And um, that was my generation of people uh, growing up. Uh, Hello, Jack. The Kindness Show is upon us. And if you have kids, check them out. Jack McBrayer has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Frank McKay.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a guy who is, who's put together an amazing career, and uh, the sky's the limit from here. And uh, just, uh, wow, uh, I've seen him twice in the last five days on the big screen and smile. Uh, my my son and I saw it, and then my daughter wanted to see it, and uh, just just absolutely uh, disturbing, but he's absolutely great in this, uh, stabilizing <laughs> in this. He's great. You've seen him in American Sniper. You've seen him in uh, Veronica Mars and uh, Scream. So many different roles. He's got great range. Kyle Gowner is our very special uh, guest, and uh, absolutely <laughs> nice to talk to somebody who does what they do very well. Kyle, how are you? Oh, thanks, man. I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing great, and uh, you got to be thrilled uh, with the response you're getting from uh, from Smile. Uh, not n- not just the picture, but your performance as well. You're getting rave reviews. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's been really exciting. You know, when you make something like this, you just you never know what's going to connect with people and what's going to take off. And um, it's been really, really great and, and exciting to watch this thing grow and become as big as it has. And and it's available now in homes, right? Is it uh, now the home yes. releases upon us? Yeah, today. You can actually get it today. You can get it, um, you know, you can get it on Paramount Plus or you can get it um, digitally uh, through streaming. Hey, it, pardon me uh, for my ignorance here. I'm not an actor, right? But I love watching uh, actors. I love films and everything else. When you see this come out of uh, a script or a, d- a description or whatever uh, first uh, first hit you about this, uh, how much different is your anticipation of what the film was going to be and, and what I just saw twice in the last five days? You know, it's it's tricky because it's that thing, you know, a script is, is really just it's it's a bunch of words on a page. Right. And then when you get to set, you have all of these people who work together to bring it to life. And then you film the movie, you finish the movie. And then there's a whole other step of post-production where, you know, the director is going to edit it the way he wants to edit it. And if there's special effects, they have to create all the special effects. So by the time you get to see it, on screen it's it's pretty surprising even though you you know like me as an actor i know the script so intimately inside and out and 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 you know what's going to happen it still is surprising even to me is this a, a whole new set of people that you worked with on this film or, or is there some repeat from uh, from the past for you uh, no, this is, you know, it's a whole, it was a whole new, um, whole new set of people. I'd never worked with Parker who, who directed the movie. I'd never worked with Sosi who played, um, Rose. Actually, I'd never worked with, um, any of the actors or, or anybody before. 
Yeah, and that's that's interesting because you really have put together uh, quite a body of work, and you have a lot of uh, <laughs> you have a lot of uh, uh, experience behind you, a big resume behind you. I, it's probably hard to find projects where you have this kind of quality. It's not like this is a you know student film or whatever. This is uh, other good actors in here, great direction yeah. on this. Uh, it, it's got to be hard to find uh, films where you're completely you know, virgin to it, you know, where you've worked with nobody before. Yeah, usually I'll, I'll show up to set, and a lot of times there are. There's one or two people on the crew that I know. You know, on this one, it was, it was like... Um, kind of a six degrees of separation thing. Like a buddy of mine had a good friend of his working on it. So uh, me and him got to, you know, we, we hit it off a little bit, but in terms of people that I've actually worked with, no, I, it was, it was all new to me. How much different is your prep work now than, than say in the very early stages of your career? Is, is it changed much as your methodology <laughs> uh, changed? <clears throat> I'd say there's a little more control. Um, there's a little more understanding. Um, you know, before it was so just kind of reckless and emotional and 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 all over the place because you know you're young and you're just you're you're going at it so head on and so you know so intensely and and you still do that, but it's it's you know through training and through time and and working you learn to kind of control things and one of the main things i had a hard time with when i was younger was letting leaving my job at leaving work at work you know so there were times where i would be doing something super intense and i would carry that with me back home and you know i would almost have like these panic attacks because these these roles were so just heavy doing really really crazy things and i just i wasn't leaving it at work so i would i would just hold that for you know weeks at a time and and now that i'm older i'm able to you know compartmentalize and and you know when i'm home i'm home when i'm at work i'm I'm at work um you know there's still going to be some carryover you can't really help it but you know as time has gone on i've 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 just gotten you know i've gotten more in control of of things you know, if I remember correctly, uh, are you from Westchester, Pennsylvania? I have some friends yeah. over that, some people I know oh, yeah. actually from Westchester. I, what's, yeah. what's there in Westchester, Pennsylvania, uh, as far as, I don't know, stage or, or film growing up? Uh, what what was there to kind of encourage you, or what, did it all come externally from TV, <laughs> movies? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I never did theater. I was never, uh, when I was a kid, I was never one of those ga- kids who was like, oh, I want to act. This is what I want to do. Let me do a school play or anything like that. I, I really just fell into it by pure dumb luck. And um, everything, <clears throat> excuse me, everything that I would do was in New York. So I would take the train out to New York and I would do my auditions in New York and I would, you know, uh, everything was 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 you know long train rides to from philly to new york and back home you know i would take the train for a couple hours in you know to be in the city for like an hour and then a couple hours back home um yeah. sometimes a few times a week i mean it was it was it was a lot um it was all, all worth it now i mean my god look, yeah no look no, what no. You put I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it was a labor of love for sure. And, and luckily, I have a very supportive family. My parents are very supportive of what I did. Um, 
you know, I'm sure there's definitely opportunities in Westchester and it's also close enough to New York that, you know, people could jump into it if they wanted. That's that's just not something that I, I, I really know because like I said, I, I honestly fell into it by by pure dumb luck and then as time went on I fell in love with it and then decided that this is what I was really gonna pursue and, you know, really buckled down and started taking classes and then moved to California and he you know, really hit the classes hard there and and you know, just eat it was eat, sleep and breathed it. Well, listen, let me, let me just congratulate you on, on not only Smile, but on a great career. Do you have a, a quick Thanks, uh, social media site, website you want us to uh, uh, know about so we can follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, and um, and Instagram. You can you can check out there. We're actually doing tonight. We're doing a uh, like a live tweet along to um, smile. It'll be starts at 9 p.m. East Coast time. Um, just Kyle Gallner is uh, my Twitter handle. And then my Instagram handle is Kyle Gallner, but it's also Kyle G face, the letter G F A C E. We had a, we had like four Kyles in our friend group in high school. <laughs> so that's how I got G face. Well, hey, listen, congrats again. Thanks very much for being here. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Kyle Gowner, everyone, is at, has been our very special guest. Terrific actor. And if you haven't seen him in action, I mean, he's uh, he's terrific. I, I mean, really, he's got he's got uh, great range. He's put together a, just a fantastic career. And uh, after this, I mean, it's a big hit and smile. And, and he just I, he's he's terrific. I mean, he's a stabilized uh, character in the uh, in the film. And he does a real good job. It's disturbing. And I, I got it backwards. I, I saw it originally with my daughter. And then my son wanted to see it. And uh, we just saw it, I think, four or five days apart from each other. And it's uh, it's disturbing. I, I won't spoil, but this, this one scene in there just uh, it blows me away. And it, it was, a, you know, kind of a pivot point early on. And, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a you know slasher type horror thriller and it's a it's a good one and so it's for home release now uh kyle uh, gowner uh he plays the ex-boyfriend and uh, he's also a cop to the uh, to the main character uh frank mckay signing off we'll see you next time on breaking it down he's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with uh, a terrific actor and uh, man, uh, Sermon, the Black Klansman, and uh, I was blown away by him there. I, I, I can I can give you a list of of films that I've seen and and shows that I've seen that have, uh, he's absolutely blown me away. Uh, on and let's hear the list. And uh, no, no, listen. Uh, and and people are going to come back to that '70s show, which I thought was awesome, right? <laughs> Just awesome. But home economics is uh, is uh, upon us again, and uh, Tuesdays at 9:30 on ABC. Uh, he. Uh, is here to talk about that, but I'll tell you what, I, I, I want more time with him one day to talk about some of his other uh, acting uh, uh, exploits. He's terrific. Topher Grace is here with us and absolutely love his work. Topher, how are you? Uh, Frank, thank you so much. That's so nice of you to say, and uh, thanks for having me back. 
Yeah, well, listen, I'm uh, thrilled to have you. And, uh, you know, again, the Black Klansman, uh, you, you talk about something so uh, so far removed from what so many people uh, <laughs> uh, know you for. And uh, I, it just it absolutely blows me away, uh, your performance in that. Actually, a lot of the performances. Oh, thanks. I remember we had done, um, I did that. You know, I, I left that 70s show, and I really wanted to try things that, you know, weren't as light comedy. I've been doing it for so long. And, you know, I remember that. There were a couple other films before it. I I did an episode of uh, Black Mirror that was pretty dark. And I started to realize that I was only getting offered, like, white supremacists or, <laughs> uh, like, clan members. And I went, you know, maybe I went a little too far away from that <laughs> comedy thing. So that was kind of the impetus of me going, you know, maybe I, I'd like to do a, a fun show again. It's also, they're very fun to do. Um, and that's how I... I kind of decided to do home economics. I, you, you were great in something. It's uh, Michael Hastings' book, and I'm trying to think of a war machine. A war machine. War machine. Yeah. I, I got I, that. War machine was uh, another kind of dark film. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I had a lot of fun on it. I mean, I, I like doing everything. It was nice to go, you know, take a couple of years and do stuff that's, uh, that's, you know, a little more hardcore. But then also it's really nice to be, I mean, this cast is so good on Home Economics. The writing is so good. And it's, you know, 15 minutes from my house. And, like, uh, you know, War Machine, it was fun to hang out Brad Pitt. But we were over in, like, you know, Saudi Arabia for months, like, shooting in the desert. So it's it's uh, really fun to be with. I'll, I'll, I've never had as much fun ever working on something as I've had with this cast on Home Economics. They are just so funny, it's subtle, but really, really funny um, talented people yeah I, you know I, I think it's a smart comedy too you know i mean it's uh, it, it's 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 clever you know it's uh, it's beyond clever by the way so was that 70s show and and i i don't know if you look back fondly on it but uh, it's uh, it, you know it good comedy and sitcoms don't have to be uh silly uh, to to work and i mean it's it, in fact it's better if it's not so silly by the way you also worked with christopher nolan and uh, you know, I love I love his work. I, I, what did I see of his? It was he made the damn thing for six thousand dollars or whatever. But that must have been interesting, right? I, I, right. Working with Chris Nolan. Yeah, but he had a little bit more than six thousand dollars when we worked together, and it You're was right. uh, <laughs> That's right. really fun. But uh, you know, uh, yeah, it, to me, it's all the same. You just got to keep doing um, the the opposite of what you did last. Keep you. I mean, if you're an actor, it's a, it's a really fun job. But like any job, if you do the same thing over and over again, you kind of, I don't know, you, it's not like you get sick of it, but you, you, you're doing, you know, you're working out only one muscle set. So, like, I love going and doing, yeah, Interstellar was, was a small part in that. And, you know, I was working with Jessica Chastain and Chris yeah. Nolan. And it was like an IMAX. But then there's, you know, I was on the plane the other day and someone's watching Home Economics on their phone. And I was, and they're chuckling themselves. And I was like, man, I like all of it. I just the, the only thing that would be bad to me would be not being able to do. Uh, I don't know. It'd be shut out of some part of it. But I like you know big budget films, small budgets, and TV, and you know playing good guys, playing bad guys, whatever. It's all. It just should be different every time, you know. Yeah, I, it just I love how you're how you're running your career, and uh, and I I had this conversation you know about you specifically with uh, someone else. I'm a non-actor, but I I love talking to actors and I love watching actors, and I have a friend who's really into it, just really into it, and and we've spoken no, about I can that. Tell when we 
Frank, I can tell you're you're more than just a typical fan. I mean, I love when people. I mean, compliments mean so much when they come from people who really care about the product you're putting out. Um, in terms of home economics, we did something kind of risky this season. Where we we want to tell the story about them. You know, it's about these three siblings. It's rare that there's a show about siblings, which is weird. You know, adult siblings are such a big part of you know so many adults' lives, but they're they're not on screen a lot. But this year we decided to introduce a new sibling. There was a our father had an affair, which we kind of talked about on the show before. But we had a sibling come out of it, and it's been a really, really interesting, um, you know, to make something like that funny. First of all, it kind of inherently is funny in a weird way, <laughs> and then that show every character dealing with it. This uh, kind of supersized Thanksgiving episode we have tonight is like about the sibling coming to Thanksgiving dinner for the first time. And it is honestly some of the most fun I've ever had doing comedy. It's so well written and so just uh, the writing. And our, and our sibling is Casey Wilson, who's an amazing actor. And um, it just changes every dynamic on the whole show. Yeah. Well, listen, it's uh, it's great to watch the show develop. Uh, and I'm wondering from your standpoint, I mean, wa watching the, the characters develop as they go along. I mean, how much different is home economics now than what you anticipated it uh, in the very beginning? Well, you know, it, it's important that there's a I mean, I learned this on a 70s show. It's important that there's a spine to the show that stays the same the whole time. You don't want a show to actually change what the core of it's about what you know when it started it, it's kind of the entry point of the show is about these three siblings and they're all at different financial levels so the brother's like a millionaire i'm kind of middle class and then our sister is really struggling to get by but we all see each other and love each other a lot but we're living at these three very different socioeconomic levels and then what it what it, what i realized is that that's kind of like a interesting thing to advertise when you're advertising the first couple episodes the same way, you know, in the 70s show, we were advertising it's about the 70s. But ultimately, it kind of becomes what it's really about, which is on our show, because it's family and it's about siblings, I think it's really about what's fair. You know, when you look at your siblings, you say, how come he's getting more than me? You know, you can say that when you're five and you can say that when you're 50, you know? Like, it, it's just a pe the first people you met that you judge yourself opposite and... So that's already been what our show's at. And then to have another sibling enter the the family just shakes up that whole thing and makes us look at it again. And it was it was so much fun to shoot. I mean, it was really some of the most fun I've ever had working on a set. Well, listen, congrats to you and the rest of the uh, cast on Home Economics. We'll be watching tonight, uh, the Thanksgiving episode. Uh, appreciate you being on. Do you have a website or a social media site you want to give us to follow along with what you're doing? No, I'm too boring. Just uh, the show will be my uh, central hub for right now. Topher Grace, thanks for being here. All right, good talking to you again, man. Thanks. Topher Grace. Everyone knows him from that '70s show, and that's it. Listen, that's what he's going to be recognized for. But he's uh, he's been in so many great things. Black Black Klansman, uh, he was absolutely uh, just tremendous uh, in that. Uh, that was a it was just a great film, um, and it was a John uh, uh, Washington uh, was the um, uh, was was the main uh, uh, protagonist. In, uh, in that he was terrific uh, we had him on we talked to him about it that's Denzel's son and uh, you know I think that's where he really broke out and uh, became an actor um, 
But what Topher Grace does is uh, is he he picks up. I, you know, it's interesting that he's he's planning it that way, but he's doing the opposite. Each role that he does, he it seems to be the opposite of what he uh, did right prior, as he as he said that. But when you uh, when you think about it, he takes some tiny roles. Interstellar, his uh, and that was with Christopher Nolan. Um, uh, he played a very very small role in that, and I think it's very. Uh, you know, a very cool way to approach it. You see, and again, you know, I'm, uh, you know, you got to watch uh, who uh, who you compare people to, and I'm not making the comparison to uh, uh, to anyone. I mean, every all these actors are their own people. But you see, some of the biggest stars in the world, if they're smart, if they're smart, they they'll take a tiny role or they'll take a cameo, and. You know, sometimes they do it just to work, or sometimes they do it to work with somebody specific. And he does that. And, I, you know, again, I'm glad to hear that it's by design and, and you know, he's just not stumbling through it. He, he's an intelligent guy. We've had him on a couple of times. And you can tell that he thinks this out. He plans things out. And not that he doesn't stumble into uh, certain roles, but he's, uh, you know, he's thinking his career through and, you know, I, I appreciate, I, more so than, than even movies and, and TV shows, I appreciate careers and people running their careers, whether it's musical or, you know, political for that matter. And, uh, you know, certainly actors. It's very easy to follow an actor's career, uh, you know, just IMDb, and you could kind of look and see where their, uh, where their choices uh, made sense or, or maybe where they broke through. And... Uh, you know, you could also see where they had a setback in their career and they, where they kind of um, took a step back. Travolta, just look at his IMDb, and you can see 14 years uh, before. I know people uh, talk about, look who's talking as if it was a big mistake or whatever. I, I, I actually don't think so, but it was prior to uh, Pulp Fiction, and I guess everybody kind of groups those years together. And, you know, he had his big years in the 70s and then, um, just, you know, bomb after bomb after bomb. And, uh, you know, uh, Tarantino, you could see where where he launches uh, with Pulp Fiction back into a, uh, a second great peak, as they call it. Frank McKay signing off. Topher Grace has been our very special guest. Home Economics is, uh, is his uh, latest. That's what he's talking about. Uh, a great show. Check it out. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.